0: Praise the Lord. Lord. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for being here today. Amen. You made the right choice. God is here. He is most certainly here. And where He is, there is liberty. Where He is, anything is possible. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? Praise God. Then, whatever you have need of this morning, be it unto you according to your faith. Let's all stand. Because God is most certainly willing and able to take care of whatever it is we have need of here today. Amen. Let's call out on God's name. Let's ask Him to bless His service. This is His service. And we are blessed to be a part of it. We are blessed to be a part of what God is wanting to do here in our midst today. Amen. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. You're a mighty King, a wondrous Savior. I heap glory and honor unto the Most High today. Thank You, Jesus, for all that You have in store for Your people today. Thank you, Jesus, for your manifest presence in this place and for the opportunity you've afforded us, each of us, each family, each individual, this church body, to enter into the very throne room of the Almighty, to receive of you your good things, whatever it is you have in store for your people. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and for your grace and for your so great faithfulness to us. Hallelujah, Jesus. We esteem you highly. We esteem this opportunity highly. We will not take it for granted. Hallelujah, Jesus. Every moment in Your presence is an opportunity. Every moment in Your presence is an awesome blessing, a privilege. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank You for all that You have in store. We worship You. We praise You. We laud and we magnify You. Hallelujah, Jesus. Because You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because You are altogether and ever worthy of all worship and all praise, all glory and all honor. Thank You, Jesus, for being our God. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The youth may be dismissed at this time. Amen. I seem like I'm in a bit of a hurry. It's because I am, because there's a lot to get through. And I don't know if I'll be able to make it. So, here we go. Review. We talked about Samson last week. Samson was the man who was called of God out of his mother's womb. What an awesome blessing that is. I'm seeking the will of God. I don't know what it is. Well, Samson never dealt with that. He knew all the way through what he was to do. He just knew what an awesome blessing that would be. He was called to be a Nazarite. He was separated unto God. That came with it many responsibilities, but many, many blessings, many privileges as well. He was very strong physically, as we talked about, but probably not a Mr. Universe physique. He's probably an average Joe uh, who was supernaturally used of God. But Samson's problem was that he esteemed his gifts and calling lightly, he took them for granted, he didn't realize what he had. Instead of focusing on his calling of delivering Israel, he was more interested in Philistine women. He was interested in his own personal plans and agenda. And there are many Christians like that today. Either they don't know they're called of God, and everyone is called of God, or they know they're called of God, but they can't be bothered with it right now. I have other things going on. I have plans. I have dreams that I want to get done first. And then I can worry about a ministry. Well, let Samson, if you're in that spot today, let Samson be an object lesson to you. His end will, at the, at the very end, it will be your end as well. He took, his, he took his calling lightly. He did not feel the weight of the responsibility of it. And folks, being called of God is a high blessing. It's a great honor. But it carries with it a great responsibility. And it's okay from time to time if you feel that weight settling on your shoulders. That's alright. We ought to feel that from time to time. Because it is a great responsibility before God. It's a great responsibility to this world that we fulfill the calling of God on our lives. Samson killed Philistines, but not because they had oppressed Israel, not because that's what he was called to do, deliver Israel. He did it out of personal vengeance, or out of his own survival. Again, he couldn't be bothered with it when it was a higher calling, but when it came to his own personal vendettas, his own skin, then he could be bothered with it. He did whatever he felt like doing and just expected that God would be there when He needed him. Well, you live like that long enough. and God chooses someone else. We read in Judges 16.20, He awoke out of his sleep and said, I'll go out at other times as at other times before and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. That's the end result, folks. God leaves and starts moving on someone else. God always has a plan B. But why not let Him stick with His plan A? Why not just do what He wants you to do? I've told you this many times. I'll continue to say it. If I go off into hoo-hoo land and start preaching false doctrine... God's going to get rid of me and and sue someone else. That's not His first plan. I don't know if I was His first plan, but I said yes. If I start going off and doing my own thing, He's going to go to the next person. But I want Him to use me. I want Him to use you. No matter how mightily used of God we are, no matter how many gifts of the Spirit manifest themselves in our lives, we must remember that the power and the authority is God's, not ours. And sometimes, for some people, it can get easy to mix the two up. But we cannot allow ourselves to steal God's glory. Not in any way, shape, manner, or form. The power and the authority is God's. It's always been His. It will always be His. He delegates it to whomsoever he will for a period of time for a specific reason. When the times and reasons are done, gone, he'll take them back and give them to someone else now. And that's all right. Like everything else I have, those are His to give, they're His to take. We trust in God. Just because someone is mightily used of God does not necessarily mean God approves of their lifestyle. We see that in Samson's life. He was mightily used of God. God did not approve of Samson's lifestyle. He was marrying Philistines for crying out loud. He had no business with the Philistines. God has called each and every one of us to be mightily used by Him. Now that warning, not to get a big head, is also our comfort in that it's not up to us or our strength or our intellect or our ability to accomplish God's will in our lives. We rely on God because it is God's power and it is God's authority. When we do remember that, we also gain comfort from that. It's not up to me. All I've got to do is say yes. All I've got to do is do what I'm told and God will take care of the rest. So that works both ways in our favor. Amen. Our daily devotions. Day one, Samson's calling was always put behind whatever he wanted to do at the moment. Instead of delivering Israel from the Philistines, he sought to marry one. At the end of the day, in my mind, he was really just an impetuous child. He just, this is what I want to do. That's what I want to do. And if I can't, I'm going to throw a tantrum. And he did. Because Samson failed to realize his calling and to take it seriously, he ended up in bondage to the enemy. And he failed to accomplish everything God had called him to do. And that didn't hurt just Samson. That hurt the entire nation of Israel. When we fail to realize our calling, and we fail to take it seriously, where will we end up? Day two, because Samson failed to follow God's plan and call for his life, it cost his wife and her family their lives. Although he did destroy many Philistines, it was out of anger and vengeance, not out of a sense of duty or calling or responsibility. Again, none of the reasons God called him were at play here. When he did what he was supposed to do, it was for motives that did not please God. We can do what God wants us to do, but with the wrong motives. And God is still not pleased with that. When we obey the calling of God, it must be for the proper motives. If I'm called to be a pastor of a great big church, I can obey that calling. But what if my motivation was, look at all the people under me now. Now everyone's going to know my name. I can obey the call and accept that, accept that position, but my motives are all wrong. I've still displeased God in that. In any case, what people do to us is out of our control. How we act toward others and how we respond to others' actions are completely within our control. And those we are responsible for. Day three, it's interesting that even though Samson was God's promised deliverer, he had failed Israel. And so they had no qualms in turning him over to the Philistines. Samson rejected Israel, walked away from them. And so Israel had no problem rejecting Samson. He was an empty promise, full of potential and not much else. Every one of us are full of potential. God built us that way. But to realize that potential takes work. You know, I think sometimes uh, as Christians, we just want God to snap His magic fingers and everything's great now. It's easy sailing and I'm the person God wants me to be. That would be nice. I agree with you. I wouldn't mind that either. But it's not how life works, folks. That's not how this Christian walk works. It's quite the opposite. If we are to be the individual God wants us to be, it will be because we have purposed in our hearts to discipline ourselves to the tasks at hand. We have disciplined ourselves to submit to the will and plan of God every day. And we have chosen to walk the hard and lonely paths with God. The ones that God places us in. The situations that God places us in. And we have disciplined ourselves. I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to keep following Him wherever He leads me. That's how results happen. God doesn't just snap His magic fingers and make all the pain go away. That pain is probably there for a reason. That pain squeezes that potential out of us. Those hard, difficult situations push that potential out so that it is finally actualized. We need each other. We ought to fellowship with one another. We're interconnected one to another. Just like different parts of our bodies are interconnected with other parts. Samson didn't realize this. He was always doing his own thing. When he fell into a slump and got done with his temper tantrum, he would go off into isolation. Isolate himself. We can't do that. When one of us suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we're all rejoicing with them. Amen. We're a family. We're bound together, one with the other. Day four, our immediate reaction is always to pray that God would end the pain, take us out of the difficult situation. All right. I guess I'm still getting ahead of myself. It's in these situations, the hard places, the lonely paths that God likes to move. And it's where He likes to do some of His greatest work. It's oftentimes hard to find God on the easy paths because He's not there very often. That's not where God is. That's not where God operates. That's not where God moves and works. He's on the rocky, lumpy, lonely paths. That's where you find God. That's where you get a hold of Him. The account of the disciples huddled in the boat during the storm. You know which one that is. Peter sees Jesus and says, Jesus, if that's you, bid me come on the water. Jesus said, come. And, you know, Peter sunk, yeah, all of that. But his desire was to be where Jesus was. Jesus wasn't in the boat. He was out in the storm. That's where Jesus was. Peter wanted to be where Jesus was. So he walked right out into the storm. Jesus isn't in the boat, folks. Don't look for Him there. You have a much better shot finding Jesus in the storm. So don't be afraid of that path. Don't be afraid of the difficult situations. Because that's where you're going to find Him. That's where you're going to get the closest to Him. Day five, no matter how tired or how spent you find yourselves exercising God's calling, there is rest and refreshing to be found in Him if you'll seek it. And when you do discipline yourself, and when you do decide day by day by day that this is who I am, this is what I'm going to do from this point forward, I'm going to be Christ-like, I'm going to discipline myself and purpose in my heart, I'm going to do this with the help of God. When you do that, it will be tiring from time to time. That is an exertion, folks. Prayer and fasting... That is an exertion, but rest and refreshing is always found in Him, if we'll seek it. We have the strength to face anything God allows to come our way, but we were never designed to do it ourselves. It was always designed that we would need God to make it through these situations. We need God. Amen. All right, our lesson for today, our scripture text, we're going to have two of them. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and 1 Samuel chapter 10. They're not too far away from each other, so that's nice. I love it when a preacher wants to read from Ruth and then go to Jude. <clears throat> Alright, 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to read verses 8-11. through 11. And then First Samuel 10, we'll read verses 6 and 7. First Samuel chapter 3, beginning with verse 8, it says, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he shall call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. And then verse I'm sorry, chapter ten, verses six and seven. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with him, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs are come unto thee that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Amen. And we'll be talking about this topic, help to understand God's call. Help to understand God's call. As we journey through life, some of us may have difficulty finding our calling. We may feel a twinge of envy when we hear others testify that they absolutely knew what God wanted them to do as teenagers or even as a tween. We may wonder why we remain unsure about our spiritual future even though the Bible tells us to walk worthy of our calling. Ephesians 4.1 We may also face the very real possibility that God has already revealed our calling, but we have yet to realize it. We're still working toward that. I don't know which one is the more frustrating position to be in. Today we'll be talking about Samuel and Saul. They were not sure what they should do. They were surprised when they heard God's call that would change their lives forever. Their stories show that we all sometimes need help to understand God's call. <clears throat> Amen. So God calls Samuel. Samuel and Saul lived during a momentous time in Israel's history as the nation moved from the tumultuous days of the judges to kingship. The book of Judges is full of increasing chaos and violence. As we move into the book of 1 Samuel, we see God calling Samuel to be a prophet And so much more. He was a kingmaker, a priest, and the last judge of Israel. But the people grew weary of judges and God leading them. They desired a king like all the other nations. God warned them of their choice before giving them what they demanded. Samuel anointed Saul to become the first king of the nation. Both Samuel's and Saul's stories reveal the importance of having godly ministers, spiritual advisors to help us make sense of God's call. Young Samuel relied on the wisdom of Eli to help him understand God called him to be a prophet. Samuel did not fully comprehend the voice of God, but Eli told him to talk with God. When Samuel presented himself, God called him to be a prophet. Amen. So Samuel, he was a miracle baby, right? His mother Hannah could not conceive. And so she went to the temple and prayed about it, asked God about it, and promised God that If you would give me a child, I will dedicate that child back to you. Okay, so Eli the priest was around, thought she was drunk, and chastised her. But after explaining the situation to Eli, Eli told Hannah to go in peace and prayed that God would grant her request. She did indeed conceive and bear Samuel, and Hannah subsequently fulfilled her promise to God, and dedicated him back to the Lord. She weaned him and sent him to live in the temple at Shiloh. So one night, Samuel heard a voice calling to him, and Samuel had no idea what to do. The word of the Lord was rare enough in those days that he had no frame of reference to go on. He couldn't really have been expected to understand that this was God speaking to him. He didn't know anyone that, that had happened to he thought Eli was calling to him so he went to Eli Eli told him twice wasn't me eventually the third time Eli perceived that it was the voice of God so Eli instructed Samuel what he should do and he did it. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. When Samuel answered the call, the Lord told him of his ministry and the fall of the house of Eli. God was going to do something great through him. Samuel would play a vital role in the nation of Israel. Samuel spoke the word of God to the people and the Lord confirmed every proclamation, not letting any of Sam I'm sorry. Samuel's words fall to the ground. Through Samuel. As a result, everyone from Dan to Beersheba knew the Lord had established Samuel as a prophet. That phrase we read several times in Scripture, from Dan to Beersheba. Dan was the northernmost city, Beersheba was the southernmost. A similar phrase would be from coast to coast, or from New York to L.A. The entire nation knew that Samuel was anointed by God to be a prophet in Israel. We need the ministry to help us hear and understand the plan of God. Ephesians 4:11 through 15 we've read this before. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Amen. We need godly men and women in our lives to help us, to move us forward, to equip us and train us, to counsel us and mentor us, so that we can get to the place where God wants us to be. We all need that. Like Hannah, prayer was always a great place to start. Prayer and God's Word are essential elements in discovering or discerning God's plan for our lives. We always ought to start there. We hear the voice of God come over the pulpit. We're at an altar call. God speaks to us. We're reading the Word of God. We're praying at home. God speaks to us. And we ought to, uh, we ought to take that very seriously. But, I've had several people come to me from time to time. This is all through my time living for the Lord. And you've probably had it too. Ah, the Lord spoke to me. And said, I need to do this. The Lord spoke to me. He said, I need to, uh, you know, whatever. One guy said, the Lord spoke to me. I don't need to come to church anymore. <clears throat> and they were convinced. They were absolutely convinced. This was God speaking to me. Brother Lee Stone King said in one of his messages that that revelation and uh deception, they feel the exact same. They feel the exact same way. And if you're not careful, you'll never be able to tell the two apart. So how do we tell the two apart? How do I know it's the voice of God? Well, first of all, His voice is going to line up with Scripture. I mean, that's that's the first and easiest test. Does it line up with Scripture? Well... (laughs) This guy fails right away. That right. most certainly does not line up with Scripture. For seeking not stumbling yourselves together as the manner of some is, etc., etc. So if it doesn't line up with Scripture, we can kick it to the curb. If it does line up with Scripture, fantastic. This very well may be the voice of God. Now what I ought to do is seek confirmation of that from my authority. When I was a young man, just coming into this, God had placed authorities in my life. And when I said, I really think I'm feeling a call to the ministry. Well, my pastor helped me with that. Not right away though. Maybe I'll share that sometime. For me, it was very frustrating. But it was all according to plan in hindsight. It was all according to plan, but for me, it was incredibly frustrating. Because, you know, young guy, I heard God. I need to do this yesterday. I need to do this right now. Because Jesus is coming back. Well, yeah, that's true. He's coming back. But Jesus knows when he's coming back. And He knows when He called me. He knows when He called you. He's got all of this. He's got a Gantt chart. He's got everything in the spreadsheet, and He's got it all worked out. I don't need to worry about it. That's God's... He's got the big plan. It took me a while to figure that out. But we need godly men and women who can speak words of life to help us gain the understanding we need. We need... Someone in our lives who you have given permission to speak directly into your life. Hard things into your life. Things you may not want to hear. And that's all amen and hallelujah until you receive those words. Trust me. It's never fun to receive those words. I don't like it. I don't like receiving correction. I need correction from time to time. And if I'm wrong... Yeah, I do want to be corrected. I don't like the actual process of it, but I don't want to be wrong either. (sighs) Anyway, pray for me. I'm a mess. Although the priest Eli misunderstood Hannah's desire at first, he later spoke a powerful message of hope to her. Again, also please understand, they're human too. They don't have all wisdom and all knowledge and all understanding. If your authority says, all right, well, let me pray about that. Let's see what happens. That's okay. That's an okay response. Those raised in a godly home may look at their upbringing and wonder why they have difficulty understanding God's call despite their knowledge. And I, I've had this happen. Uh, someone will receive a call, powerful call, right away. This is what I'm doing. God spoke to me. And other people, raised on a pew... Raised in a chair, church, they just can't seem to get it. They just can't seem to figure out what God wants them to do. And that can be confusing. Those not raised in a godly home may wonder if they've missed out on something that would help them hear and understand God's call. We always think, those of us who came into this later in life, we always think we're at a disadvantage. And I think in some cases, maybe that's true uh, to an extent. And the only reason I say that is because I feel like it is an advantage to raise our kids in church. I think that's an advantage. I think we're giving them something uh, that maybe you and I didn't have growing up. And because of that, they uh, they are never going to experience some situations that you and I experienced out in the world. They're going to be saved from all of that. Praise God for that. But we can, get, we, can, we can feel like we're starting behind the curve. We're starting at a disadvantage. That doesn't have to be the case. Whatever the situation, though, when you feel like you've heard from God, uh, come talk to me. Let's get you moving forward. Amen. As a pastor, there are there are a lot of expectations placed on the pastor. And, um, I mean, when I was sitting under a pastor, uh, I had a lot of expectations for that guy. Uh, he was to preach the word. He was to give counsel. Uh, he was to do outreach. He was to clean the church. He was, I mean, you know, the buck stops with him. Ultimately, everything that happens in the church, he's responsible for. And that's true. That's true. My primary burden that I feel like God has placed on me is his people, his sheep. I have a burden for the city. I want to see the lost saved. I want to see people coming through these doors. I'm not exempt from that. But my primary responsibility is to feed the sheep. To feed the sheep. That's how I demonstrate my love for God. And that's my burden. That's my passion. And, and to equip and to train and to mentor and, and to see you guys go out and do awesome things. If every one of you preached a general conference and I had to sit in the nosebleeds that section and listen to you, Man, that would be awesome for me. That'd be absolutely incredible for me. I just use that as an example of, I mean, that's not necessarily a measure of greatness, but you know what I mean. There are some iffy messages coming out of there, too. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to see you guys do great things. I want to see God use you mightily and wondrously. I do. That excites me. That gets me up in the morning. Thinking about those possibilities. Thinking about when God just explodes in someone's life. When the people of God, when, when all of us, when we finally get it. When we realize who we are. What God has called us to be. What God has called us to do. And then we just start moving forward in that. That to me is exciting. More exciting than anything else. And that's my burden. That's my passion. And if there's anything, anything I can do to move that forward in someone's life, I'm all in. I mean that. I am all in. Things that may hinder us from knowing God's will for our lives. Okay, the first and most obvious one is the sin in our lives. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Alright. Sometimes, though, we're unaware that we're displeasing God in a specific area. And that's possible. More so as a new convert, uh, we, we eventually kind of lose that excuse. Uh, the closer we become to God, the more we know and understand God and His Word, the less compelling that, that becomes. But certainly, when we first start walking with God, there are going to be areas that we don't even know we're displeasing God in. We just we're not aware of it. When someone came and told me my my spandex and and, and tank tops were not good, I I was like, Wow, really? I was dumbfounded. I okay, <laughs> I didn't know. I was clueless absolutely clueless. I didn't know that. And so, as a weird maybe example of of this uh, idea. But again, the closer we draw to God, the more we know Him, the less likely this becomes. In any case, God can use this time of seeking Him to reveal these areas in our lives so that we can then address them. Okay, so when we are uh, trying to discern the voice of God. We are trying to discern His will, and we, we just can't seem to get it. Uh, maybe this is why. And in the struggling, in the searching, in the, in, in the praying, God can use those opportunities that time to, to reveal these things in our lives and work through them. Uh, another thing that can cause us to not discern God's will is lack of submission. Matthew twenty six thirty nine as our perfect example of submission. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. First Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. We ought to ask ourselves, and we've got to be completely honest, do we really want to know what the will of God is? Or do I simply want God to put his stamp of approval on my will? Those are two entirely different things. When we come up with statements like, well, that's going to be too difficult. I'm not qualified. I don't want to. Those are telltale signs of a lack of submission in our lives. Submission is a hard thing to do when we want to do something else. But we've got to learn to submit ourselves to the will and plan of God. Another thing is fear of wrong, wrongfully discerning God's will. We may not want to proceed forward with what we have received because we think it might be wrong. That can't possibly be right. That doesn't make any sense. God wants me to do what? Matthew 7, 7-11, through 11, I feel kind of addresses this. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, Give good things to them that ask Him. So in other words, if I'm asking God honestly and I'm seeking Him, what do you want me to do with my life? And I receive an answer. If it lines up with Scripture and my authorities, that sounds right. Go for it. No matter how crazy it may seem to me, i got to move forward with that. That's God speaking with me. That's God speaking with me. Now, what if everyone's got it wrong? Well, I suppose that's possible. But don't worry about that, folks. Because if I give you some bad advice, God's going to come knocking at my door. He will bless you for your obedience but He will correct me. That's how authority works. That's that protection that we talk about when we're submitted to authority. God blesses us for staying under there. But if this guy is wrong, I could say the same thing about my authority. I do what I'm told, and it's wrong. God blesses me, and He corrects my authority. I love authority. I love that. I love being under authority. If we make an honest mistake discerning God's will, and you probably will, just repent and keep going forward. Folks, anytime you try to move forward in any area, you're going to make mistakes. Okay? Just accept it. Deal with it. Figure out how to move forward with that. Get comfy with it. Uh, mistakes are going to be a part of your life if you want to do anything, including live for God. You're going to make mistakes, folks. I'm going to make mistakes. But we got to keep trying. we got to keep doing our best to move forward in the will and plan of God. You are not perfect. God is. You're going to mess up from time to time. You're going to get something wrong. Don't worry about it. Repent if that's necessary. Do what you can to fix the problem, let God do the rest, and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. I'll say publicly right now, I'll promise you that if I know you're trying to move forward in God, I'm going to be infinitely patient with you. I promise you that. We'll make course corrections. We'll do what we can to to whatever we need to do. I don't know if that helps or not, but in any case, there it is. Another thing that can get us stuck is not applying what God has already revealed. James 1 and 22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. Luke 6.46 Jesus says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Those things that God has revealed to us, we've got to be operating in them. We've got to be doing them. If you want more revelation, you've got to do the things that God has already told you to do. In the life of Abraham, his initial calling was Walk. Just walk. Go somewhere. And He led him from there. The saying, I love this saying, God can't steer a parked car. You just sit there like a lump and do nothing. God can't steer you anywhere. But if you just start moving forward... the best direction you can discern at the moment. Just start moving forward in that. Well, God, God did give me this, so I'll start walking in that. And then, He can start moving you around. He can start directing you. He can start giving you further revelation. But you've got to step out. I've got to step out. If we don't, If we don't, then there's not much that God can do. God may not show you the entire plan all at once. In fact, I think oftentimes He doesn't. Just the next step. And then the next step. And if you take that, the next step. Just take that step. And God will continue to reveal the rest to you. Let God do it His way, folks. There's a reason He's doing it that way. Just trust Him. I know we want the the whole picture. I know that. I do too. Believe me, I do. But oftentimes, I don't get the whole picture. And you don't either. That's okay. We trust in God. God knows what He's doing. The other thing that can get us bogged down is we're expecting an immediate answer. 1 Peter 5, 6 again, uh, says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. We all hate to wait. We can't stand it. Americans ought not to have to wait. I'm American. Drive up to McDonald's. I shouldn't have to sit. I'll pull over here. Why? Where's my food? I'm in a hurry. We all hate to wait, but in our season of waiting, God is still working. He's still moving in our lives. He's still actively bringing us closer to where He wants us to be. Zechariah 4.10 says, Who hath despised the day of small things? There are seasons in everyone's life. Sometimes we find ourselves in a winter season. Things seem dead. Nothing's happening. Things are stagnant. That's not true at all. There's all kinds of things happening. God is getting ready for a renewal in our lives. Spring is coming. But that winter season is important. Those times of waiting for us are important. Another thing that can get us bogged down is trying to go at it all alone. Which is the main uh, thrust of this message. So, uh, we're not spending too much time here. But no one is an island. And we were never meant to do any of this alone. This or anything else. Again, we are a church body. We are the body of Christ. I can't put my eye out and flick it onto the pew and expect it to just be able to operate all on its own. At that point, it's dead. Right? It's useless. I can't do anything now. Because I've separated it from the body. I become useless. Just like Samson. When I separate myself from the people of God. Just go it all alone. I'm not going to... This was my thing for a long time. I was so spiritual. I just don't want to burden the man of God with all my problems. I don't want to burden brother so-and-so with all my problems. Anyone ever feel like that? Yeah. And I don't. I don't want to burden anyone with my problems. But folks, sometimes sometimes I need someone. Sometimes it just gets too much for me. And it's designed that way. That's on purpose. So that I need to talk to someone. I need to call out to God. I need to bring someone else in and just, oh, so and so, this is what i got going on. And I just get a word of encouragement. A word from the Lord. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, great, okay. We're never meant to do this alone. All right, God called Saul. Samuel served as a faithful priest, prophet, and judge in Israel. He represented a quintessential minister. Possessing all the best characteristics of any leader, he was also a prayer warrior. The people begged Samuel not to stop crying out to the Lord for them. Sadly, though, the people did not fully appreciate all Samuel had done for them. They intended they still demanded a king like all the other nations. Part of the problem arose because Samuel's sons could not succeed him since they accepted bribes and could not be trusted. Although Samuel had a sterling and unimpeachable reputation, his sons did not. The people also wanted a stronger military. In the era era of judges, Israel's tribes acted as a loose confederation. A few united to defeat a threat but eventually went back to their own territories. Under a king, though, A king could unite the tribes and truly make Israel a nation and defeat the menacing Philistines. The timing also proved ripe for kingship because superpowers were having problems. The Hittite nation disappeared from history and the Egyptians were weak. The issue of having a king, however, was not merely practical or strategic. It was spiritual. The people had not just rejected Samuel and their demands. They had rejected God. Therefore, the Lord told Samuel to choose Saul to be the first king of Israel. (coughs) All right. God, through Samuel, told Saul of several signs that would confirm his calling. Each of those signs came true. Now, again, that's not necessarily how God will operate in our lives, but maybe maybe, a good friend of mine, uh, that's exactly what happened to him. He felt like that's that's what he needed, and that's what God gave him. Well, that didn't happen for me at all. I guess I didn't need him. <laughs> but in any case, uh, God works with the individual, right? He doesn't have a cut-and-dried plan for, for everybody. All right, God's Spirit rushed on Saul just like on Samson, but instead of great strength, Saul began to prophesy. And the Bible says that he became a different person than he was before. In our lives, we've got to allow the Spirit of God free reign. His Spirit must have free reign in our lives. Whatever God wants to do in us or through us, we've got to allow that to happen. We must accept that we are new creatures because of our spirit baptism. And we must allow Him to freely move and work through us according to His will. That requires hearing His voice. That requires discerning His voice from all the other voices. Amen. And like Samuel, that may require a bit of counsel. That may require some practice. In other words, work. Some dedication. Some discipline. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Folks, if we can't discern the voice of God, uh, we're basically spinning our wheels. Then I'm left with picking the best spot, best direction, all on my own. God help me then. We've got to learn to discern the voice of God. Many individuals God called in the Bible were reluctant to accept their call, like Saul. Exodus 4.10 says, Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech." And of a slow tongue. I think there's evidence to dispute that, but in any case that was his uh, that was his excuse to God. Isaiah six, five, then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. I can't be your prophet because my lips are unclean. Jeremiah 1 6 then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. In Samuel 10.22 Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, looking for Saul. If the man should yet come thither, and the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. I, uh, I sometimes have a soft spot in my, uh, my heart for Saul. Because he... Uh, was thrust into something way above him, entirely unprepared. I spoke in a recent message about uh, someone that I know that this happened to. And this is one of the reasons, folks, that uh, God oftentimes reveals his plan to us step by step. Uh, There are things that we need to take care of every step of the way. There are things that I need to work out in my life before I can move forward to the before God can even reveal the next step to me. Cuz I could I could know the next step, but there's no way I could do the next step because I'm not ready yet. But when God when God declares me to be ready, then I can move forward. God gives me the next step, and then I can work some other things out, and then I can move forward again. When I go straight from ground zero to in my ministry, Without any preparation, without any God working in here, fixing things that need to be fixed, taking things out, putting things in, without doing any of that, that's a recipe for disaster. If I had to end up here one year after I got the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't be living for God today. I can all but promise you that. I would have been destroyed. Because some of the things I've seen in ministry, some of the things you've seen in ministry, if we'd have seen them our first service, I'd have probably walked right out. I want nothing to do with that. Bunch of hypocrites. Say one thing and do another. Tell me that. Bless God, I'm out of here. Now you can tell me all you want now. I'm not leaving this for anything. But I'm good chance I would have been. I wasn't ready then. There are things God needed to do before I was ready. So that's why the step-by-step. That's why God does the, the process, the individual process. There are other guys. They're pastoring at 18 years old. And I'm sitting here, what's wrong with me? That's Him. This is me. I needed things worked out in my life. God has different plans for me. Different direction for me. He's going to expect different things of me. And you. Don't compare yourself among yourselves. It's not wise. I've tried it. It's not wise. Humility is good when it comes to calling, but we should not ignore our calling either. It's okay to stay humble and meek about your calling. Absolutely. But don't be so humble that, no, you got a mistake. No, I can't do that. No, that's not for me. That's not humility. That's disobedience. That's rebellion. That's not humility. Instead, when we feel like that, we should seek the help of the ministry to assist us in understanding our calling. They can advise us on the next steps, they can pray with us, help us follow God's plan. Reluctance is understandable, especially when you start, when God's plan starts klesking up here, and you start to realize this is what God wants me to do. This is the this is the scope of it. Oh my word. Reluctance is understandable. But trust that God knows what he's doing. He called the right person. He didn't make a mistake when he called you. God doesn't make mistakes. He knows all about you. But he called you anyway. Okay? So you've got God's stamp of approval. You've got his anointing. You've got the Holy Ghost unction you've got you've got a directive from God to move forward in that ministry. amen and just walk forward in it. just walk forward in it, just accept it. don't think about it too much don't don't start questioning and weighing everything out. just accept it. God chose me for this. Praise God, what can I do to get there? All right, in conclusion, the basketball coach at a small but successful college prepared for his day. He had more than a 5 o'clock shadow this morning, so he started shaving to make himself more presentable. He sprayed out the shaving cream and lathered up. After taking a few swipes at his growing beard with his razor, he heard his wife's voice from downstairs. It was a phone call for him. Since the story occurred... In the days before cell phones, the coach needed to make his way downstairs to answer the landline tethered to the wall. Wondering if he should even bother with the call, he asked his wife, Who is it? As he continued shaving, she replied, Honey, it's Sports Illustrated. The surprising answer shocked the coach, causing him to cut himself while shaving. This was it, the big moment. He had worked so hard to improve his team. Even though most people did not give his program the time of day, one of the best sporting magazines on the planet, finally recognized his coaching genius. Wiping the blood from the cut face, uh, the coach turned to sprint downstairs. He ran right into the wall, but the pain did not deter him. He rounded the corner and grabbed the handrail. His speed and exuberance nearly caused him to slide down the stairs. Thankfully, the rail saved him. He busted around the corner and hit his knee on the table. Grabbing his throbbing leg, he continued hopping forward to the phone. He grabbed it and said, hello, Sports Illustrated? On the other line, a cheerful voice replied, that's right. And for only a small monthly subscription rate, <laughs> you can enjoy the very best Sports Illustrated has to offer. <laughs> the dejected coach hung up the phone and slumped down next to the wall in pain. We may find ourselves in similar situations. No matter the outcome, we should answer the call with the same enthusiasm as the coach. Even if our calling sometimes fails to meet our expectations, we must focus on what God expects from us. While we read of Samuel's wondrous actions as the prophet, we may sometimes forget that he probably had to do seemingly menial chores in the temple at Silo. Although Saul would win many battles as king, his road to the throne began with a search for donkeys. So let us answer God's call with enthusiasm. Let us rejoice, even if our calling presents us with ordinary situations that may seem pointless to us at the time. If we are faithful, someday God will turn the ordinary into the extraordinary. Amen. Let's all stand. Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that you have called each and every person here, each and every person joining us online. To ministry, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would reveal your will, if you haven't already, to each person here as to what you would have them do, the calling that you have called them unto, and that you would begin to move us forward, each of us, into the ministries that you have chosen. I pray, Lord Jesus, that through these ministries, you would use us mightily and greatly, and that your name would be glorified through them. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Right on time. We'll be back in a quarter till.